This morning's first scripture reading comes from the third chapter of the book of Ephesians, selected verses from 1 through 12, Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of his power. Although I am the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. The word of God for the people of God. Our second scripture reading comes from the second chapter of the book of Matthew, verses 1 through 12, the visit of the wise men. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pause for a word of prayer. Holy God, may the meditations of all of our hearts and the word of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. May your message be known to us as a church and all other messages die away. Amen. So our annual appeal... What will I bring is from Micah 6. 
Epiphany, the perfect time for an annual appeal, because it's talking about gifts and traveling and bringing yourself. So we're facing a new decade and a new year, so also a really perfect time to do an annual appeal, because then we can take stock of our past and are we are willing then to make amends, turn over a new leaf, make resolutions. Epiphany is the season of enlightenment, seeking the light of God. What would compel those magi, those foreigners that came from afar to to set out on that journey to an unknown place? Adventure? Enlightenment? Boredom? Seeking God's face? Maybe, Maybe being in God's presence? Learning to trust again in that goodness of the universe as you expose yourself to the elements and the unknown forces along the path? Living each day and each moment rather than doing what is expected and and rote every day. Challenging ourselves to get out of a rut, to discover not only what the day will bring, but who we are in that day. We can become numb with the swirling chaos around us, and that's hardly living. Trying to maintain a semblance of peace in our lives by numbing out or disassociating is the next best thing in survival mode, but it isn't living. Epiphany invites us to set out on a journey. And how does our journey challenge us? What will we bring? What do we seek? In our lectionary text for today and the research We have a scripture text in Psalm 72. I didn't have it read today, but it is in your Bible. So Psalm 72, you can read anytime you want. The light shines on us as a main message Psalm 72 has. We don't experience that bright star until we step away from the lights of civilization and away from the busyness of life as usual to enter into the darkness of the night. It is only then that we are able to detect a star glowing among many. It takes some trust to step out into the darkness unknown. It takes a mysterious calling, a yearning that can't quite fill up with hours of work or piles of food or a regiment of exercise or romantic relationships or even nights of partying or binging Netflix Can we hear it, feel it, see it? There must be something more. The yearning nags us. And so we begin our search, and we discover despair, trial, temptation. The pregnancy that we thought would complete our lives has become a prison. The marriage that we thought would make us happy and content is on the rocks. The income that we thought would indicate we have arrived is suddenly not enough. The career we worked hard for in long hours of college, internships, and sacrificial moves seems empty and exhausting. Retirement and all of its promise of freedom seems filled with meaningless minutiae. The country that thought democracy was the answer, finds itself in civil war. 
The family that thought America was the land of dreams is separated at the border. The church that envisioned social justice as a purpose and uniting principle finds itself fractured over leadership. It's time to look for something more. It's time to listen to that yearning nag. It's time. Isaiah 60 addresses a people in despair. Maybe that's not you, but hang in there because despair will knock at your human door at some time. But if it isn't you, be grateful. If it isn't you, use this time to prepare for when despair comes. And if it is you, welcome despair in as an old friend. Sit down for tea and listen to despair. Isaiah's message is addressed to those who were exiled, homesick for decades, only to return home to find that everything had changed. The old movie house was torn down, and in its place, a shiny new mall. The old stone church was turned into a nightclub. The pecan grove and the orchards were bulldozed to the ground, cleared for new settlements. What you remembered, what you sentimentalized, all gone. Now what? Isaiah challenged his listeners to rebuild. In that historic case, to rebuild the temple that had been left in ruins. That's what it feels like sometimes, doesn't it? It's all ruined. It will never be the same. Isaiah says, so? Rebuild. Take the stones from the ground, the good ones, not the fractured ones, not the stones that crumbled under pressure. Take the strong ones and mix the mortar of hope and grace and love and, and fit those pieces together. It won't be the same, but it will be better than you ever thought. Later, the New Testament says the same thing. Don't forget the cornerstone, that one in the middle of the arch. The cornerstone is Christ. That's the stabilizing factor. That is what brought us all together in the first place. God revealed in human life, we were searching for that light, remember? Searching for that meaning, and God showed us God's self. Why build? Because it is through the church, Paul writes in Ephesians, that the wisdom of God is made known. The whole church, throughout time and place, all knit together in one body, through word and sacrament and scripture and tradition, historic texts and voices from the pews. We've worked hard to move beyond that Christian theology that reduces the good news to just a personal relationship of salvation. We've spoke out to correct the privilege of Christianity for the few and opening it up to the quest of just peace for all. No one body, no one denomination, no century or millennium has it all figured out. 
not even us. We just have our part to play on the stage of human history. Now, we, we need the strangers coming from the East with fresh eyes and yearning hearts to remind us of how much we need each other and how much we need balance and grace. The nativity and the Christmas traditions are so familiar, like our own children that we see every day. It takes someone outside the family to say, wow, what great kids you have. Or, you have such a blessed life. It takes a magi coming from afar, seeking the face of God and finding that face in a baby in a manger. They didn't know where they were headed. Were they surprised at the crudeness of the surroundings? Were they startled at the vulnerability of God? Did they, they check their GPS at Star again and say, hey, Google, are you sure this is the right place? And then something convinced them. Because before they gave their expensive gifts, before they could be like kings of a foreign country and give their gifts to impress and negotiate trade deals, before they could assess their strengths and weaknesses, the pros and cons, and what was fiduciary and too expensive, what was a mistake in leadership, and what would be funding falsehood, what they might regret in the future and what might be misused or abused. Before all of that, they lowered themselves to the ground and they paid homage. They worshiped. They humbled themselves in the presence of a young mother and father and their newborn baby. They put their brocade-clad knees down on the wet straw, completely in awe of what was before them. They worshipped like they had never worshipped before. Then with realization of how minuscule their valuable gifts were in the face of God, they gave themselves as well. That is what worship is, friends. It is placing yourself in the presence of God not looking around to see who's here and who's not here or counting attendance. Not judging the bulletin mistakes or the candle straightness or whether our favorite part of the service is missing. No, it's placing yourself in the presence of God in community and expecting to be met there. You won't always feel it, but that doesn't mean that God isn't here. It might mean that you have this layer of crusty, hardened protection you've used to survive. It's not easy to hear through all of that or even to feel sometimes, but that's okay because God understands. And you keep coming back and slowly but surely those leathery layers grow supple and porous and you can catch a glimpse of God's kingdom and hear those Holy Spirit whispers. At this time of annual appeal, we don't want to poo-poo monetary gifts. It has its place, and it has contributed to where we find ourselves today. But let us not place our valuables before ourselves. It is all of us that God wants. And you can't buy your way out of commitment to the needs of the world. You have to show up. Be on the journey. 
Feel that ache of yearning. Be surprised at where you find God. Then peer into the face and come to that sudden clarity. Be enlightened once again and absorb that radiance of God's guidance. Understand the glory of God that goes beyond words and sound and sights and visions. Breathe in that oneness that John talks about, the logos that is at the beginning and embodies the now at the very same time. Then remember how to turn home. Taking the light with you radiating grace and truth and humility. Find your way home, true home, by a whole other way. Amen.